Welcome to Energy 360, the podcast from the CSIS Energy Security and Climate Change Program. I'm your host, Lisa Highland. This week, my colleague Sarah Ladislaw talks about stimulus packages with Dan Riker. Dan is the founding executive director of Stanford's Steyer Taylor Center for Energy Policy and Finance. He's formerly with Google, the Department of Energy, the Clinton administration, and a member of the Obama administration's transition team, which assembled a $90 billion clean energy stimulus package. As the U.S. Congress looks to shore up the U.S. economy, Dan and Sarah talk about how these stimulus package options could leverage public and private investment to not only strengthen the U.S. economy, but to also promote an energy transition and to address climate change impacts. Let's turn it over to Sarah and Dan now. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. My pleasure. Great. So you put out this uh, really good article the other day, um, like many people were all starting to think about the potential opportunity that we might be able to get from a stimulus package, a fourth phase stimulus package, an eventual stimulus package uh, out of the United States in response to the coronavirus pandemic that we're all uh, living through right now. And you had a proposal that was based on your experiences during the last energy stimulus package uh, in 2008-2009 and had four interesting components to to what you put in there. Um, One was stimulus spending, the other was tax credits, the other was infrastructure spending, and then technology commercialization. And you recognized at the outset that obviously there's a lot of other things that we need to be thinking about at this time, but that there should be an opportunity for us to think about making progress relative to the challenges that we're going to see related to climate change. And so I thought maybe it would be good to just talk about why those were the four pillars of what you thought would be uh, a responsible you know, stimulus package and a way of going forward. So first, maybe digging in on on the first pillar, which was the stimulus spending, what were some of the successes of the 2008-2009 stimulus package? And, and how do you, has that sort of informed your thinking about how we should think about stimulus this time around? So uh, I was a member of the Obama transition team where we took a first cut at the stimulus package. And uh, our original recommendation was about $110 billion. In the end, um, we ended up close to about $90 billion. And, and that actually was more than 10% of the overall stimulus package. And it was the biggest investment that the government, our government, has made um, in clean energy to date. And I think that $90 billion was was put to good use um, over, over a couple of years. It actually weatherized 1 million low-income homes, which was a big increase over the usual results. It it backed the first U.S. photovoltaic projects bigger than 100 megawatts. It helped to fund the largest carbon capture project at a coal plant in it. And it actually financed Tesla's purchase of a shutdown automobile assembly plant in Silicon Valley, where they started to make, make EVs. And uh, so I think there was a lot that it, that it succeeded at. And I think we, we find ourselves at, you know, about a decade later at a similar point with a with a collapsing economy, but but with one big difference, which is a lot of the clean energy industry back then was was small. It was definitely not mainstream. And um, in fact, we called it alternative energy. Mm-hmm. But today it is a mainstream industry, um, but it's not immune from a big economic punch like we're feeling right now. And we really need this industry to stay on track, mm-hmm. you know, have any shot at meeting the Paris targets. And I also think one, one important thing, if we're going to have an opportunity to compete internationally, um, particularly with the Chinese, 
who are in many ways racing ahead of us on you know, solar, on batteries, on electric vehicles, and, and often based on technologies that were developed here in the U.S. and, mm -hmm. you know, with taxpayer funding. So I think it's something we need to be doing. There's also another interesting parallel, which just like in the 2009 recession, we're in the midst of a presidential race. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a parallel there. Last time around, President Bush signed the Troubled Asset Relief or TARP program in, in 08. Just after he was elected, President Obama signed the um, American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. That was the stimulus bill. And then in 2010, he signed the Tax Relief Act. So two presidents, um, you know, around an election that really had to act multiple times to get to get us where we got, which was, you know, working our way out successfully from the recession. Mm -hmm. I'm frankly hopeful that the, the Biden transition team... Um, We'll be looking at a virus that's been conquered and an improving economy, but we'll see. And obviously, we'll see what happens with the election. One of the ideas that you also included, and I, I actually think, um, you know, this is a, a proposal you've made a couple of times. Uh, I, I think you and I were testifying next to each other once when you made it uh, before, but it was for, you know, DOE to use their clean energy and advanced vehicle loan program where there's like $40 billion sort of sitting there able to be used. Can you explain why is that money sitting there? And, <laughs> and two, you know, our loan programs have gotten sort of a bad rap from the last stimulus package. Can you explain why you don't think it deserves that reputation or, or why you still advocate for it? Well, you know, I can't speak for the Trump administration about why that $40 billion is is sitting there. <laughs> but I will say that only one loan has been made in, you know, three and a half years. And that's the, the follow on funding to uh, for the two new reactors in in Georgia mm -hmm. that were originally backed by the Obama administration. You know, Government investments designed to advance clean energy projects have, have not been the focus of this administration. Um, I think there's been particularly strong resistance at the White House and OMB to moving very far with this program. I think it's less so at DOE. Mm -hmm. But in terms of its track record, the portfolio to date, the more than 30 investments that have been made through the loan program to date, they've performed exceedingly well, mm -hmm. you know, despite a couple of losses, and obviously the high-profile one is is Solyndra. If you look at the numbers quickly, um, the program has about a 2% loss ratio, and that's better than the loss ratio of just about any big money center bank in the United States. And, and remember, these banks are not generally making loans for energy projects, you know, deploying advanced technologies, and certainly not in the riskier commercialization stage. So, so I think this is a program that's done very well, that money is sitting there. And this, this is a moment, and these are technologies where private lenders won't step forward, given all the risks that are associated with the projects that's deploying innovative technologies. You know, no one had ever built a photovoltaic project bigger than 100 megawatts in the U.S., you know, back 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the, the loan program stepped in, and I will add, during a recession, and back five of them. And that, and you know, the rest is history. So I could see similar things happening with electricity storage projects, advanced carbon capture, small modular reactors, just a whole host of things. If we finally could get this 40 billion back in gear.
So now on the second part of your proposal was the clean energy tax credits, you know, provision. And this is something that we saw early on in the first round of stimulus debate. The administration put in a proposal to, you know, fund the filling of the strategic petroleum reserve. And in response, you know, the, the sort of negotiation ended up being over clean energy tax credit extensions. So what's interesting about that is it's probably quite likely to be part of any kind of horse trading that goes on in a future stimulus package. I find it interesting that last time around we had that innovation on the 1603, you know, tax credits um, that allowed project developers basically to take a, a direct cash grant as opposed to having to partner with somebody to be able to get the tax credit. There have been a number of legislative proposals, you know, thinking about new ways to think about clean energy tax credits. I mean, do you think this is a good opportunity to try some of those, like some of the technology neutral tax credits, or do you think? You know, right now is just a chance that we need to just do stuff that's proven, uh, which would be sort of the extension of the regular PTC and ITC and and the like. So overall, I I think tax credits are a powerful way to get major energy projects moving and importantly, the jobs they create, which is obviously what we need in a recession. The challenge is that a financial crisis is exactly when, you know, project developers, investors, companies don't tend to have much taxable income that they need to shelter using tax credits. So that's why the direct cash grants um, that we came up with in 2009 uh, made so much sense then and make so much sense today. So I think that's a almost a given in terms of what we should do with tax credits. Put that direct payment or cash grant, it goes by various names, back into effect. Mm-hmm. In terms of looking at new approaches to tax credits, like tax neutral credits, I actually don't think a stimulus bill is a good place to to experiment. Um, Mm -hmm. I do, however, believe that extending um, tax credits to other technologies makes good sense. So Mm -hmm. I think the top of the list is extending tax credits to various storage technologies, batteries, pump storage, and the like. And I also think that reauthorizing certain credits in innovative technologies, you know, offshore wind being a good example, Mm -hmm. that has a great deal of opportunity for serious job creation. And we have a whole variety of projects that are hanging in the balance. So I think that would be a smart way to go. So overall, let's do what we did before. We know it works. And let's um, carefully extend plain old tax credits to other technologies that are ready to go and ready to produce jobs and, and go from there. You had also mentioned the idea of extending master limited partnerships to the clean energy sector as well. I I recall that being a discussion the last time around, but it didn't get through. Why? What's the opposition to that idea? So master limited partnerships are a financing tool that were authorized by the Congress actually way back in the 1980s. But when they did it, it excluded renewable energy and other kinds of clean energy technologies. But they have been a big success helping to lower the lower the tax exposure and cutting the financing costs for literally hundreds of billions, that's with a B, of private sector investment in oil and gas pipelines. So massive private sector investment in oil and gas pipelines came from opening up master limited partnerships. We started this push for MLPs um, several years ago with the New York Times op-ed and bipartisan bills in both the House and Senate got pretty far, but they didn't happen. You know, fast forward to 2019 and another bill that would move MLPs called the Financing Our Energy Future Act 
was introduced again with strong bipartisan support in both the both the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. In the Senate, it's um, Senator Coons and Senator Moran, and in the House, the Ways and Means Committee um, recently introduced the Clean Act, and that actually includes MLPs. So there really isn't any opposition to master limited <laughs> partnerships on in either house. It's just a matter of finding a vehicle to attach it to. And given how much private sector dollars it can leverage, I think a stimulus bill is a great place to do it. Yeah, well, so ideas that, you know, people generally like but are hard to move forward uh, is a theme that's in your in your third pillar, which is yes. infrastructure spending. Infrastructure. Like- yeah, everybody loves infrastructure spending, except when it comes to actually doing it. Uh, so I think last week, we started the week off on a very positive note in favor of infrastructure spending. It was a thing everyone could agree upon. And I think we ended the week uh, with maybe Speaker Pelosi sort of backing off a little bit on, you know, pushing for an infrastructure bill. I, I feel like we're going to go through this at least a few more times. But you, you know, rightfully sort of highlighted this as an area where, you know, there could be some some benefits to, you know, clean energy uh, advancement. I think some of the ideas you'd put in there were converting dams uh, to produce hydroelectricity, expanding the grid, funding storage projects. I, I guess two two thoughts, like one, among the ideas that you propose, do you think any of them are more or less likely to get the kind of bipartisan support? Or does this infrastructure spending exist in a, a more macro context of um, uh, debates about how to do infrastructure spending or what types of infrastructure spending to prioritize? What do you think will be the bigger barriers for thinking about um, how to advance infrastructure spending that might be good for a clean energy transition? So first of all, um, you know, I actually think overall our most of our political leaders agree that infrastructure spending is good. You know, they've been willing at various times to offer up trillion dollar plans, but each time they do, you know, it was run over by partisan politics. So I think we we know we need to be doing it but the tough partisanship held things up. I actually think in an unprecedented health crisis that's turning into an unprecedented economic crisis, this may actually finally be the moment for an infrastructure bill, Mm. um, particularly once we get the pandemic under somewhat better control. The challenge substantively is that infrastructure is an incredibly elastic kind of term. Yes, on roads and bridges. So if those, why not fix up old dams and build new transmission lines? And if those, why not energy storage projects and carbon capture pipelines? Mm -hmm. How do we come off what's on and off the list? I'm actually quite optimistic that we're going to see the will to adopt infrastructure legislation. The question is, can Congress agree on a way to do it? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just going to be, you know, serious hard work to say what's on the list and what's off the list. I think these energy ideas should be on the list. You know, I think building transmission is a serious need in this country for all sorts of reasons. Um, And it's from an energy standpoint, and it's also a great piece of infrastructure. You know, we've got 90,000 dams in the United States. They they need help in terms of safety. A number of them can be upgraded to produce power that they that aren't producing power today. Storage is a great area for infrastructure. But I think this is the hard work we ask of our Congress, sit, sit down and figure, uh, figure out what's on the list, what's off the list, what's high priority, what's lower priority. Maybe you do it in phases. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's sitting there. It's job creating and we ought to, we ought to get it done. 
you know, other than just thinking about the money for infrastructure efforts, there's also the issue of, you know, some of this infrastructure doesn't get built, not just because it can't be paid for, but because building infrastructure is contentious. I mean, is there something that you would want to either see Congress do or avoid doing that could help with some of the local or regionally based opposition to certain kinds of infrastructure? I mean, think about transmission lines in particular, but you know, we've had history of the federal government trying to solve some of those issues through congestion corridors and other things. I mean, what do you think? Is there a role here for Congress to play in more than just sort of allocating the money for specific segments of projects? I, I think there certainly is. I guess my concern in that regard would be asking the Congress to do it quickly in the context of, of stimulus or fast-paced job-creating infrastructure. Yeah. So I guess I'd say, you know, there are some transmission projects that are ready to get built. There may not be, you know, it may not be a long list, but let's get those done where people are willing to see transmission get built. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of, of, of dams that could be turned from non-powered to powered. Let's let's get those done. We, we know what kind of storage projects should be built. And then, of course, you know, plenty of roads and bridges, plenty of other things, plenty of water yeah. treatment, whole host of things. Let's get let's get going on those things that can get done. And we'll get back to the changing the rules of the game for things that are more controversial. Yeah. So your last pillar was on the on technology commercialization, where you make a plug for the Clean Energy Development Agency. Again, not a, a, a super new idea, but a good one that's been around for a while. And so can you talk about you know why you're plugging that idea and, and why it belongs in this package? So we published a report at Stanford called De-Risking Decarbonization, uh, Making Green Energy Investments Blue Chip. And it was essentially looked at what it would take in terms of global investment if we're going to have a shot at staying within two degrees centigrade and, you know, from a climate perspective. And the the quick answer is we have to triple global investment very quickly. You know, there's an old joke, the, the, the bank robber Willie Sutton was asked why he robbed banks. And the answer was, well, that's where the money is. And <laughs> And I, and I say that because the money in the U.S. and globally for clean energy is not in governments, but in the private sector. You know, insurance companies, sovereign wealth funds, endowments, about $100 trillion. That's with a T as in Tom. So I'm a big believer that the best way the federal government can spend public money on clean energy, you know, development and deployment is to leverage that spending um, with vastly greater amounts of, of private capital, use the public money to leverage much greater amounts of private capital. And that's what the DOE loan program has been about. As I mentioned earlier, a loan, I think was about $500 million, allowed Tesla to build its assembly plant in Silicon Valley, and it paid that loan back 10 years early with interest. Mm-hmm. That's leverage. Um, so the Clean Energy Deployment Administration would incorporate the loan program both the energy and the the advanced transportation technology loan program at DOE um, to leverage private capital. And it would provide a whole set of other tools beyond loans. You know, uh, for example, a letter of credit, the CETA, as we call it, could provide a letter of credit that could back a power purchase agreement for a first of a kind technology commercialization project. You know, a letter of credit, which is, would be vital when you have some risk around a first-of-a-kind project, mm-hmm. to go out and get a long-term power purchase agreement. 
you know, and these projects could range from floating offshore wind to small modular reactors to advanced CCS facilities. And one important thing to note about CETA is that it would be self-sustaining. Mm. Um, it would be initially capitalized by Congress, um, but then it would plow the interest payments that are made to it, the, the upside that it would get in equity investments, it would plow those back into its investment fund. And this would mean even more leverage and less call on taxpayers. So one last thing about, about CETA that I, I've always been excited about, it was when it was introduced in the depths of the recession in 2009, it got voted out of the House Energy and Commerce Committee 51 to 6. Mm. And that was on an amendment to the Waxman-Markey bill. It was the only, was the only amendment to Waxman-Markey that Republicans supported. It had a similarly lopsided vote, vote in the Senate Energy Committee. So... It was a great idea then. It's a great idea now. It leverages huge amount of private capital, which is exactly what we need in the depths of a recession to, to get projects going and put people back to work. So thinking about how this is going to play out going forward, I mean, remembering the 2008-2009 stimulus discussions, you know, there was a lot of back and forth over things that were green versus things that were shovel-ready. And today, it sort of seems like there's not quite as much focus on shovel readiness, but there's definitely some focus, at least now, in you know being able to make the argument that this is a project or an effort that is related to the coronavirus economic downturn and not sort of separate and apart. I'm sort of wondering if that's going to hold or what kind of other imperatives you think might be placed on things that get to be considered in or outside a scope for this effort. Well, let, let me emphasize first, as, as you mentioned at the beginning, the first order of business in the next stimulus package has got to be addressing the current health crisis, uh, that there is no doubt. And if more money is needed, that's where it needs to go. But as we work our way out of that, as we hopefully flatten the, the COVID-19 curve, again, we're going to have to confront a fast-growing economic crisis that's going to be with us, I expect, a lot longer than, than the virus, if the last recession's any, any measure. Mm -hmm. And I think there's going to be multiple steps that, that Congress takes to address the economic recovery. Another stimulus bill or two. We've got to do annual appropriations for fiscal year 21 and 22, there'll be various tax bills. And then I think there's things the agencies themselves are going to be doing that don't require legislation. Mm -hmm. They will have grant money. They will have loan money. They will be doing procurement. They will be setting standards. So there's a whole set of tools. There's a whole set of activities that I think are, are going to happen. The good news, I think, between now and, and 10 years ago is that we do have lots of projects that are both green and shovel ready. We have a much bigger industry that needs to be put back on its feet. So I don't think we lack for things that first and foremost create jobs and also do good things um, for our clean energy economy. So, you know, one, one quick example that, I, that stands ready as much today as the last time is, is low-income home weatherization. We weatherized a million homes, as I said, that was just a vast jump from what we were normally doing. Mm -hmm. Let's do the same thing. Mm -hmm. There's millions of these. And you put people to work immediately. Obviously, once people can leave their homes and workers can come in. Yeah. But hopefully that will be in the next couple of months and these, these kinds of jobs can, can take root. 
Mm. What about the role for states? Obviously, number of states are you know continued to lead in terms of their ambition and their commitment to a clean energy transition. I mean, they have a lot going on in states right now just to deal with this crisis as well. But do you think that there's anything that states can do to either shape or direct some of the stimulus efforts on the Hill that might assist them in their efforts to advance a clean energy economy? I think it's a great question. Um, and I think states can and, and actually are definitely playing a role. I'm part of a high-level group in California that involves state legislators, state agency officials, investors, NGOs that are actually discussing the elements of a, of a California stimulus package for clean energy. You know, the ideas range from how to, how to keep the state's solar industry moving, you know, how to jumpstart proposed floating offshore wind projects off the California coast, you know, two entirely new industries that are being discussed in the state, like producing lithium for batteries, Mm. producing that lithium in California. Mm. So the federal government can do only so much, can do a lot, but only so much. And a state like California, you know, with the world's fifth largest economy, needs to step up and is in fact doing so. What I am worried about, however, is that at least so far, there seems to be very little coordination between Sacramento and and Washington, D.C. on stimulus. Mm. And unfortunately, there's a lot of tense relationships in this administration between California and the White House. So Mm -hmm. that may be difficult. But I think we have a large California delegation in Congress, and we've just we're a vital part of the U.S. economy just in 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 arithmetic terms. So. I think states like California and other big states, small states as well, have really got to step up. But I think what we need from Washington is is better coordination. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't duplicate each other and we leverage each other's dollars in putting people back to work. That's great. Well, one final question, Dan, I, you know, thinking about you mentioned uh, your hopes for a Biden administration. You're clearly aligned with uh, sort of democratic politics. I mean, if there is... If there's a choice now between what you do in a stimulus package and the opportunities that might present themselves before an election versus the things that you might want to do later for a policy environment, you've done this before. How do you, you know, where where do you put your eggs in which which basket? Which things you want to spend on now and, you know, and seed policy for uh, later, particularly if you had a Democratic administration? First, and just to repeat it, I would unstick the DOE loan program and they, and get that $40 billion into gear. That's just a huge amount of money um, and, and make sure as much as it can back shovel-ready projects. And there's some things you could change in that program, but mostly it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I would make it easy to use tax credits in the recession, as we talked about, by authorizing these direct cash payments like we did in '09. As I said, I would find things like weatherizing homes that are just ready to go. And then I I would get Speaker Pelosi, Majority Leader McConnell, and the president in a room and and lock the door until they agree on the outlines of of an infrastructure bill. They set a date for its enactment and each assign somebody with the background and the integrity to get a deal done. I think that's a great opportunity and it would do so many good things that go way beyond clean energy. Um, to put people back to work and and it put us on a better path for the long term. And, you know, if he could bury his ego, maybe President Trump ought to ask Presidents Bush and Obama for some help in uh, working our way out of this unprecedented health and economic crisis and bring the the country together. It's very far-fetched, I admit, um, but we really are in uncharted territory 
when it comes to a dual health and economic um, crisis. And, th and that requires creative ideas and bipartisan action and exactly what we need in D.C. these days. So we got to be very innovative. We've got to be very fast moving um, and we've got to be very bipartisan. So I think it's a tall order, but, but we've done it before and I'm, I'm hopeful we can do it again. Well, Dan, it's a tall order, and it, but it's uh, it's backed up by some very thoughtful analysis and experience. So I just want to say thank you very much for sharing your thoughts today, and we'll keep watching uh, to see where all of this heads. But uh, but thanks again for for sharing your ideas and thoughts with us today. Well, thank you, and and fingers crossed for all of us. Thanks for listening. You can find a link to Dan's recent piece in our bio. Find more episodes of Energy 360 wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at CSIS Energy. 